Well, good morning. My name is Nathan Nelson. I'm the mission and outreach specialist here at Bethany. So I'm involved with the work that you saw up there in the video. Um, Basically, what that means is I work with all of our um, global and local partnerships with outside organizations from outside of Bethany. Uh, And then I'm also on staff here at Green Lake. And then I'm working with each location of Bethany as they are considering what does it look like for them to live missionally into their context. So um, you might be asking yourselves, like, that's great. Do you normally preach here? Have I seen this guy preach here before? That's a valid question. Uh, no, you have not. This is my first time preaching here at Bethany Green Lake. Uh, so excited about that. Excited to be with you here this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll see if you're still applauding at the end. Um, no, that's great. So I was, it's funny, I was talking with some of the staff earlier this week and they're asking me, so, you know, Nathan, are you nervous or whatnot? And I was thinking, well, of course I'm nervous, Um, but uh, I was reminded that the last time I gave a sermon um, was when we were visiting our global partners, World Relief in Rwanda, and it was a room of about about 80 pastors and NGO workers, all Rwandan, Uh, and so I can say with confidence this time around that my stories should at least be relatable. I'm pretty confident in that, Uh, and hopefully I won't run the risk of accidentally offending anyone. Um, But, uh, no, it actually did go great, um, but I'm glad to at least be speaking to a context I'm a bit more familiar with here. Um, Before I was on staff here at Bethany, I was involved in a variety of different ministry contexts uh, throughout Latin America, and uh, so any sermon that I gave was being translated, Um, and so you'll have to forgive me if at some point during this you see me pausing every few sentences. I'm just sort of in that rhythm of pausing for translation. Um, But at some point, I should get in rhythm here. Um, As you may know, we're in a series titled Sustainable Faith, and so each week for the past number of weeks and continuing into the future, we've been looking at two different spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that each um, both inform one another and they also have their unique uh, context within the larger sort of context of our spiritual lives. And so today, we're going to be looking at the discipline of fasting and of service. If you would, let's pause, pray together, um, and then uh, we'll look at the scriptures. Lord, we're grateful uh, to be here in your house today. Lord, thank you for the ways in which you make yourself known to us all throughout the week. But Lord, we're grateful for these moments of pause now uh, within the safety of this place to listen for your voice. We ask, Lord, that you would be reminding us, God, making us mindful of the ways that you've gifted us um, to uniquely participate with you in the justice work that you've called us to in your world. Lord, be with us now. Um, Ministry to our hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, initially, I was signed up to preach at uh, Bethany Ballard um, this morning, but then Richard called in sick, and so he said, Nathan, can you preach at the 8 a.m. and then blitz out of here and get to the 10 o'clock service at Ballard? So that's what I signed up for this morning, as of like two days ago. Um, So that's good. Um, And so initially, it was Brad, uh, the lead pastor at Bethany Ballard, who asked me uh, if I would come. Uh, and preach today, and I said, sure, I'd love to do that, Um, and asked him what the topic was, and he said, well, uh, we're going to be looking at fasting and service, and so I thought, well, that makes perfect sense, right? Um, I'm the mission specialist. I can speak to service, no problem, Um, but then there was this fasting component, uh, and so I thought, you know, does Brad just, like, not want to fast? Is that what's going on here? (laughs) And, uh, you know, I thought, I have to fast, that doesn't seem fair, like you called this one in. Uh, And then Richard calls me, and he says, hey, Nathan, uh, 
I'm not going to make it. I'm going to need you to go preach on fasting for me. And so now I'm kind of at this weird place where I'm like, is there a conspiracy happening at Bethany? Like, the pastors don't want to fast. Um, anyway, uh, that being said, coming into this certainly service of these two disciplines is something that I find myself being more familiar with uh, and something I was more confident to speak about. Um, and fasting, I think, for many of us, feels a bit like a foreign discipline. It's like we've heard of it, maybe we did it at some point, maybe we did it in youth group, uh, the 30-hour famine or something like that, but like when was the last time we fasted? So I thought we would do something uh, here at the 8 o'clock. We all got an extra hour of sleep, so you should be awake. Um, let's be a bit vulnerable with each other uh, and get a little audience participation. So if you would, uh, just by raise of hands, answer this simple question. Uh, who in the room has fasted in the last five years not in preparation for this sermon? <laughs> raise your hands. We got some fasters out there. Okay, this is good. You're the minority. There's a significant number of people not raising their hands, myself included. Now, I recognize that I've totally thrown my credibility out for at least half of this at this point. But I, I, I wanted to do that, and, and I'm not just putting you on the spot. We did a similar poll of uh, our staff a couple weeks ago as we were thinking about fasting and, and preparing ourselves for this as well, and the result was the same. I think we actually have more fasters in this room uh, percentage-wise than we do on our own staff, um, and that's okay. So um, I, I want to do that to highlight for us that the reality is fasting is in many ways sort of this lost discipline. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that I think it's important that we talk about it this morning. Uh, as I've been studying, as I've been reflecting, as I've actually been practicing fasting uh, in preparation for this, um, I've discovered its unique connection to service and the way that fasting for us informs the way that we ought to consider and go about service the way that God calls us to it. Um, and so with that in mind, um, I would like to uh, just kind of set up where we're going um, with this this morning. So uh, because I was phoned in last minute, your bulletin doesn't have the typical outline uh, there with you, but there should be some space for notes. And I think, yes, they put on the screen behind me um, kind of where we're at. So uh, we'll begin with what I think is uh, important, which is the reality of our human condition that creates for us the context for the important role of fasting. Um, and I've titled this section, We're All Hungry for Something. And then second, we'll look at why fast, with special attention to why fast from food. And then finally, we'll conclude with some practical application about how we fast uh, in a little section that I've called Small Bites. So let's begin with this notion of uh, we're all hungry for something. And intuitively, we know this to be true, right? We're all hungry for food. We're all hungry for, we, we all have thirst, right? But we have other hungers or other appetites as well. Um, for example, uh, we're hungry for relationships, right? Hungry for community, for intimacy, um, for entertainment, for meaningful work. We all desire to feel uh, as if we have a purpose in this world. Um, uh, and so the question for us becomes then, uh, what is the source of these varying appetites that we all have? Where do we get them from? And we know from scripture that God has given each of us gifts, and so we're gonna get, in, gonna get into that in a second. And the, the premise that I'd like to set up for us this morning is that the gifts God has given us produce in us appetites, and those appetites are intended for a purpose, okay? 
So if we look at the scripture, um, just starting in Genesis 1.28, we see that humanity is given the gift of work to steward God's creation. We're also given the gift of intimacy to be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 2.19, humanity is given the gift of creativity um, to participate with God in naming the animals of creation. And then in uh, Paul's uh, letter to the church in Corinth, this is 1 Corinthians 12, um, verses 4 to 11, we see all the different gifts that God has given his people. Gifts like wisdom and faith and healing, miraculous power, um, prophecy, discernment, tongues. All of these are gifts from God to us, the people of God, right? Um, and then there, critically in verse 7, so this is 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we're each given these gifts or these manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. And uh, so as we think about the, the, the gifts that God has given us, we have to recognize, right, that they produce in us these appetites. So for example, um, God gives us the gift of work, uh, of stewardship, and that produces in us a desire to work, right? We desire to have meaningful work. Um, God gives us the gift of intimacy, and that produces in us an appetite for sex. And that uh, sex can be used for, in the context of nourished relationships and, uh, pro and productivity, right? Um, and these are good things. In Matthew 5, 6, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So from the outset, I think it's important that we acknowledge that part of this appetite that God has given us, that God intends for us, is that it's geared towards righteousness. Another word for that is justice. So we're called to an appetite for justice. These gifts that God has given us produce in us appetites, and these appetites are intended to be used for God's good purposes in the world, for the common good of creation, for justice. Are we tracking? Good. But there's a problem, right? That all sounds good. I wish it was as simple as that. Um, but the reality is that all of our appetites become distorted by sin and by brokenness. So in Genesis 3, we see that humanity, humanity's appetite was quite literally manipulated by the serpent, where Adam and Eve uh, indulged their own desire for wisdom and for power and for control by consuming the fruit of the tree of knowledge, right? And so here we see that while God has given gifts to humanity for creation, Adam and Eve turned to the wrong source for their wisdom. Their appetites became distorted by their own self-interest. And in John, uh, 1 John 2.16, we read, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. And we contain these desires, don't we? This pride of life and these lusts of the flesh. We all have them. Um, and as participants in this broken system of creation, we recognize that we too are broken. And so as our appetites become distorted by this brokenness and our hunger and thirst for righteousness turns to hunger and thirst for our own self-interest, we then become slaves to our corrupted appetites. So for example, our hunger for relationships and intimacy turns to lust, turns to porn addiction, self-serving sex. Our hunger for meaningful work turns to workaholism, right? It turns to endless endeavors for upward mobility and wealth. And our appetite for creativity becomes a slave to these others. And for the purpose of increasing our wealth and our, uh, our influence, um, 
more than, more than anything else. So, the reality that I want to set up for us this morning is that we are all servants to our appetites. We're all serving our appetites constantly, right? But the question for us is what or who is the source of our appetites? Said differently, who or what are we serving? So this brings me to my second point on your outline, which is recovering the fast, discovering freedom is what I've called it. And I know I run the risk of sounding a little bit self-helpy here, um, but I think you'll get uh, where I'm going with this in a second. And so with this premise in mind of these broken appetites, these distorted appetites in our lives, um, I'd like for us to consider the practice of fasting. And so this quote from Richard Foster's book, um, Celebrating Discipline, I think is helpful in understanding uh, what it is I'm getting at here. So listen to me as I read um, from uh, his book. Fasting helps keep our balance in life. How easily we begin to allow our non-essentials to take precedence in our lives. How quickly we crave things we do not need until we are enslaved by them. Paul writes, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Our human cravings and desires are like rivers that tend to overflow their banks. Fasting helps keep them in their proper channels. So I'd like to tell you a quick story uh, about uh, a loss of this balance in my life. Uh, As you see me standing here today, uh, I'm a rather slender guy. Some people might go so far as to say uh, skinny, which is okay. Um, I recognize now in, in this point in my life, this is a good thing, this is a blessing, but of course the grass is always greener, right? Uh, and so especially in those high school years, I've always uh, been an athlete, I've always played um, all different sports, but especially basketball, basketball is my thing. And as you can imagine in high school, when you're the skinny kid with long, uh, pretty long, ridiculous hair at that point, um, nicknames like floppy came out pretty regularly. Um, uh, skeleton bones, you know, my buddies on the team were always giving me a hard time for my bony elbows. Uh, and so uh, at the, and I sort of gained this self-consciousness around uh, being, a, being a slender individual. Um, and so I can tell you that uh, into college, you know, I, I gained a little bit more self-confidence and I was okay with this. And, but nonetheless, I still, you know, I was playing sports and I thought, you know, I can start lifting some weights and some different things and, you know, you know, put a little weight on, put a little muscle on, that'll be good. Uh, and of course, those are good, healthy desires, right? We want to look our best. We want to be physically fit. We want to be uh, able to compete at a high level if that's something we enjoy doing. Um, but the reality is, so quickly, those healthy desires can become distorted, right? Uh, and so for me, uh, it wasn't a really big thing, but just simply, and I think this is something we can all relate to, um, you know, you start you start going, getting in a rhythm of going to the gym or, or of being uh, physically active, and all of a sudden it's like, man, if I don't get there three days a week or four days a week, then I'm going to lose like that fraction of a centimeter that I gained this week or that I lost the week before. Uh, and then, you know, I started thinking to myself, I've got to have my protein shake within 30 minutes of working out because, you know, that's going to produce the greatest gains. And if I don't do that, why'd I work out in the first place? Uh, and you just become sort of hyper aware of all of these things. And all of a sudden, what was simply this desire to be you know, playing basketball at a high level becomes this totally distorted and messed up thing. And, you know, that's just one example in my life, but I can say uh, certainly this is a pattern that we're all aware of, right? We all have these desires, these gifts that God has given us uh, to work. Working is good, but how quickly does our work become distorted, right? How quickly can 
taking a passion that we have, maybe there's many college students in the room, you gain a passion for something in your undergrad, you, 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 know, you get out of college, you're excited about working about that, in that field, and then all of a sudden you're working 80 hours a week and you forget five years down the road, where the heck did that passion go in the first place, right? Can people relate to this? Yeah. So our appetites so quickly become distorted. Uh, and that being said, you know, I brought body image up. I want to make what I think is an important distinction here, and that is that with body image, with addictions, with mental and physical health, um, these all are important factors in our lives that play hugely complex roles. And so as we prepare to talk about fasting, specifically fasting from food in a second, I want to say what I think is an important disclaimer, that uh, consult your doctor. Fasting is not always uh, the answer to some of these things, um, but certainly it can have a role to play, okay? So please do not hear me saying, like, if you're addicted to food, that all of a sudden you're going to fast and that's going to be gone. That is not what I'm saying this morning, okay? So especially, depending on your condition, please, uh, quite literally, consult your doctor. Um, but what I am suggesting is that fasting, specifically fasting from food, is for us a spiritual discipline. Uh, it's been long practiced by Christ followers, right? More than 2,000 years we know that people have been fasting, and specifically fasting from food. And part of that, the idea behind fasting is that what it does is it acknowledges the power of Christ in our life to break strongholds. And those strongholds often can uh, manifest themselves as addictions. Um, and so in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, we read, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I am content with weakness, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. So as we consciously forego food, as we fast from food, and we literally weaken our bodies, what we're doing is we're experiencing a posture of humility um, that reminds us then of our dependence upon God, upon his power and his strength in our lives that is capable of breaking strongholds. Um, so as we've seen many times in our lives, um, consciously or subconsciously, we get into this rhythm of searching for answers and solutions upon our own strength rather than looking to God as the source of our strength and the source of our wisdom. And so fasting aids us in realigning our gaze towards God. And as we realign our gaze towards God, in the process, our appetites become realigned with God as our source. Uh, if you would, turn with me now to Isaiah 58, where I think we see a good example of even the fast of Israel becoming distorted. So we're going to look at Isaiah 58, starting in verse 3. It says this, and we heard it read earlier for us. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. So here, Israel's fast has become purely religious ritual, right? To the point that they're oppressing workers, they're causing fights among them. Like, this is not the goal for fasting at Bethany Community Church, right? We don't want to come back a week from now and be like, Richard gets up here and says, our fast has produced quarreling among us, okay? That's not the aim. So let's contrast that with God's instruction through the prophet Isaiah to Israel in verse 6 regarding the fast, which is this. Is not this the, the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry 
and bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide ourselves or yourself from your own kin. So here, God is demonstrating to Israel the same hunger that we talked about earlier in Matthew 5, 6, and that is this uh, hunger for righteousness or for justice. And this is the appetite, I believe, that God is desiring to produce in us through our fast, all right? So ironically, through our fast, I believe that God is actually desiring to produce in us an appetite, and that appetite is for his righteousness or for justice. So, so fasting is not simply about denying our distorted appetites or those addictions in our lives um, that give way to lust and workaholism and endless pursuits for upward mobility, but fasting is about producing in us a hunger for righteousness, for the righteousness of Christ, and as a result, we become people that serve our appetites produced by the gifts of God in us rather than our distorted self-serving hungers. I'm gonna say that again. That as a result of fasting, we become people that then are able to serve our appetites that are produced by the gifts of God in our lives. So rather than being slaves to our distorted appetites, we become servants of the justice and righteousness that God calls us to. In Galatians 5.13, we read, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So what I want us to hear this morning is that fasting is a tool intended to free us from being slaves to our self-indulgent appetites and, 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 and will help us realize our capacity to be the presence of Christ and to live out God's justice in the world. So let's move to this last section in your outline that I've called Small Bites, and I'll give Brad credit. He came up with that. Um, but as a pastoral team, I think that uh, we've gotten the sense over the course of the last few weeks um, as we've been in this series on sustainable faith that we run the risk of weighing down your bags, so to speak, all of our bags. Um, week after week after week, we're hearing about new spiritual disciplines. And, you, and if you're like me, you might have gotten to the point where you say, like, how am I supposed to do all this stuff, right? And you heard me admit, fasting is not something that's been a regular part of my spiritual discipline. You've heard me admit on behalf of our staff, sorry, Eric, I threw you under the bus on this as well, uh, we aren't fasters, many of us ourselves, at least not with regularity. And so what I want to acknowledge for us uh, at this moment here is that, like I, I tried to set up from the beginning, that fasting has its role Absolutely, and we need to, and many of us, recover the role of fasting in the larger context of our spiritual lives. Okay, we've lost the role of the fast, but it's not to say that fasting or service or meditation or any of these other spiritual disciplines ought to all be happening simultaneously, right? That would be crazy. You would be on like another spiritual level. You would be floating if you could do all these spiritual disciplines, or you'd be worn out. More, more realistically, right? That is not the aim here. So I was trying to think of an analogy that works for this, and I don't know, the only thing that came to me was a golf analogy, and like I said, I play sports earlier, golf is not one of them. I know nothing about golf, so if you're a golfer in the room, I'm about to just butcher this, but uh, I do think this is a helpful way of thinking about this. Um, if you imagine, right, golf, you've got your golf bag and you've got all these different clubs that have different purposes. Um, without any one of those clubs, 
you would not be fully equipped to play the game, right? Or at least, I know some people maybe play with like a few less clubs. I don't know if that's a golf thing, but um, if you don't have your putter, when you get to the green, you're in trouble, right? It has an important role to play. The same can be said for any one of these spiritual disciplines. Fasting has its role within the context of our larger spiritual lives to develop in us th this hunger and, to, and, as I mentioned earlier, to break these strongholds, all right? But pastorally, I thought it was important uh, as our staff was considering talking about something that probably is uh, the least familiar to many of us in fasting, that we recognize the aim is that by the end of these 12 weeks of the Sustainable Faith series that you're not, like, doing all these things at one time, all right? Um, now, uh, I'd like to turn uh, just briefly to uh, 2 Corinthians 13. You don't need to go there. I'll just sort of give it my summary, and you can take my word for it. Um, but it talks about uh, not, not being by our own competence that we're able to do any one of these things. Rather, our competence comes from God, and that we are constantly being transformed into the image of our creator from one degree of glory to another simply as we take steps towards him. And that's what these spiritual disciplines are about. Christ for us becoming the source of our daily living. So by way of application, I'd like to share just a couple of ways that I think fasting can be incorporated practically into our lives. Uh, and the first is this, uh, and I think it's an important, there's, there's sort of two questions that we ask of ourselves. Um, the first is, is there an area of your life where you are experiencing a stronghold of some kind, or said differently, an addiction of sorts? And if you are, one of the things that you can do um, is you can fast from whatever that thing is that you're addicted to. Um, now, again, this is a consult your doctor moment. Uh, not all addictions are, are safe for us or healthy for us to simply fast from. So what we can do, though, is we can fast from food in those instances, assuming that that's not the thing that you might be addicted to. Um, and, in the, in, and in the process of fasting from food, ask that God... Uh, transform that, dis that other distorted appetite in our lives or that area of addiction in our lives, okay? Now, second, you can ask yourself the question, is there an area of your life where you're seeking discernment? And if you are, you can fast from food and in that time, intentionally pray, uh, asking that God would give you his wisdom regarding a specific decision or an area of uncertainty in your life. And uh, I want to be clear, this is not about getting necessarily a clear answer, though that may happen. Um, rather, as we've seen, fasting is about posturing ourselves in a state of dependence upon God, looking to him for his wisdom and his strength rather than that of our own. So I want to give you an example. I told you that I uh, did, in fact, practice fasting in preparation for this sermon. Uh, and so I want to tell you just a, a brief bit about that experience. I sort of selected option two here around um, discernment. And so uh, I'll tell you, my wife, Macy, she's sitting right there. Um, she's a teacher in Seattle Public Schools at a middle school uh, in the Central District of Seattle. Uh, and that uh, area is beautiful. We love it. Um, we've really fallen in love with that part of the city. But I can tell you, uh, the longer that she's been there, the more that we've become aware of the fact that there are profound challenges facing the lives of students and their families, especially in this school. Um, it's arguably one of the most racially segregated schools in the city of Seattle. Um, for all kinds of different reasons, complex reasons. Um, and so Macy, as a teacher in this context, uh, goes through a lot on a daily basis. Um, Oh, excuse me, getting a little emotional just thinking about it. Um, 
and realized that uh, Macy, it's, it's begun to take a toll on her. Um, and that's, that's to be expected. It does, if you're, there's teachers in the rooms, you all have a hard and an important job. Um, and in this context, uh, recently, for Macy, it's just been extremely difficult. And so one of the things uh, that, um, so uh, to give you an example, um, she, there's, a, there's a math coach at Macy's school. Um, and so the, uh, Macy's a math teacher. And so the math coach came in and Macy said, I just need you to observe my classroom. Like, would you tell me, is there anything I can do to try and make this environment better for these kids, to try and get across to them what I'm teaching them? And uh, so our coach came in and she observed and uh, spent a whole day observing recently. And then at the end of this, Macy was like, what do you got for me, right? Help me out. And, she, and the, the math coach's response was, uh, although encouraging, a bit discouraging, uh, she said, I got nothing. You're doing everything humanly possible to help these kids. You're doing everything you possibly can. So Macy comes home and tells me this, and I'm like, well, I'm writing this sermon on fasting, and it's kind of about you know, looking to God for his wisdom and his strength. So I thought, what can I do? I can fast. She's doing everything humanly possible uh, in that scenario. Let's fast. Let's ask that something not humanly possible uh, might be able to happen. And so uh, I'll just tell you practically what I did is I skipped uh, breakfast and lunch one day uh, and spent some intentional time, especially when I was feeling hungry, um, just holding before the Lord uh, the complex issues that these students and their families are facing, the complexity that is that school, that segregated, difficult, broken environment, uh, and then, of course, my wife's own sanity, and just held those things before the Lord. And I said a simple prayer over and over and over again throughout the day. God, we need you. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. And that's all I did. And I know typically, right, pastors get up here and uh, they, they, they do a story like that, and you're all on the edge of your seat like, so what happened? Like, it's all fixed, right? Not even close. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> This was not conclusive in any way, uh, in that uh, it did not result in a specific solution to the problem, um, but what it did do is it directed my gaze towards Christ, right? Macy and I, we talk every evening about the different things going on in her school, and uh, we think about what can be done, what can be done, and I try to support her, I try to listen, um, but I can tell you what I have failed to do is recognize that there is something we can do when we don't know what else to do, and that is direct our gaze towards Christ, to seek his wisdom, to seek his strength, um, his pr and, and be reminded of his presence with us. So fasting for me was a reminder of that. Um, and I can tell you that in the process of fasting, uh, I developed an even greater hunger for justice. Like I spent all day thinking about this, all day thinking about this complexity of these issues. And I just continued to just have this burn in me um, for justice in this place. Um, and so that these kids, these families, my wife can experience um, education as it's meant to be. Um, so that's just one way that it's looked for me as I've tried to incorporate this practice uh, into my life and, and my life circumstances. Um, and so you might be asking the question, how does this all connect to service? Uh, and, and yes, service is in fact connected. We've talked a bit about this hunger in Matthew 5, 6 for righteousness and for justice. And so I think uh, for us, fasting just from the outset uh, is a way that, rem that reminds us of this hunger that creates in us this appetite for justice and for righteousness. Um, but more practically, I'd like to uh, just look at 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11 here, which read, 
Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We talked earlier about the gifts that God has given us, and we see here a reminder um, that these gifts are intended to be used for service, right? And so as we fast, we experience the transformation of our distorted appetites, and we'll see that we're called to then use our God-given gifts that produce in us God-given appetites to serve in the ways that Christ has graciously given us the capacity to do so. So in the video that we watched earlier, you saw testimony of the transformation that occurred in a few people's lives from among us in the congregation um, as they took steps away from certain things that enabled them to then use their gifts and step into new spaces, right? We saw testimony of that in the video. So as we undergo this process, this process of transformation, I believe that we will become people of justice and servants of our God-given appetites. So I'd like to share just one more story with you um, as we prepare to close. Uh, And that is uh, an individual who I've gotten to know over the last couple of years as I've been in this role. Um, His name is Jared. Uh, And Jared uh, went on uh, the first of the two Rwanda trips that I've been on over the last couple of years. He went back with me uh, this last August. Uh, And he used to work in sort of the tech data analysis industry and he came initially on that trip and told me, hey, you know, I'm interested. I've really got this, this passion for relationships and for, you know, cross-cultural relationships specifically. I've heard about our work in Rwanda. I've heard about it's about reconciliation. It's about justice. I'm interested in that. You know, can I come? And I said, you know, sure, absolutely. Um, and so Jared signs up for the trip. And, and throughout the course of uh, the pre-trip meetings that we're doing, found out that Jared has a real passion and a real gifting for photography. Um, if you go on our website, you'll actually see most of the uh, photos that are on our mission page are from Jared uh, and our time in Rwanda and different places that he's been now. Um, and so anyway, uh, we go on this trip and in the, we come back and, and Jared has just got this passion for it. He, he's posting every day on Instagram and Facebook a, a photo he's taken and the story of somebody that he interacted with. Uh, and what was beautiful to see is I got to see Jared move through this process of transformation that I'm talking about. Uh, and eventually he recognized that his hunger for these relationships, for interacting in that space of justice and cross-cultural work, uh, it wasn't being met in the context of his normal uh, job, his everyday job in that tech data analysis industry. And so for him, he decided he was going to need to make a change. Uh, and I can say this, Jared, I think would be comfortable with that, uh, that he was making uh, great money in this one place. And the opportunity to step into a new type of role, more in this vein of, of his passion that he was discovering, was not going to pay the same. Um, And he actually ended up taking an unpaid internship for World Relief Seattle here um, that does refugee resettlement. I used to work there, um, and it was just awesome to see him step into that. And now uh, he's been working there over a year, and he's uh, doing photos for them, and he's uh, telling stories on behalf of refugees and the incredible work that's happening there. Uh, And so while Jared, uh, in many ways, is sort of this poster child for mission at Bethany, uh, I want you to hear that if you go on a trip with us, you're not expected to totally uproot your life and change everything. Though that might happen, that's another, I guess, disclaimer for you all. I invite you to consider coming. Um, Would love to have you. Um, But that being said, I share with you Jared's story as an example of the way that as you realize your God-given gifts, for him it's photography, it's relationships, it's cross-cultural work, 
the more that we invest in those things, the more we gain a hunger to use those gifts for the purpose that God has given us, which is what? His justice, right? His righteousness, his, his, the common good of creation. And so it's not to say that the work of data analysis and tech is not important, because it is. For Jared, it meant simply making a shift. Um, and that is just one example of that. So, uh, as we prepare to enter a time of response together, um, I'd like for us to consider just these two questions. And the first is this. Um, is there an area of your life where you are experiencing addiction or seeking discernment? And if so, is there an area uh, that you can intentionally withhold from? Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be that addiction specifically. Um, it can be food or something else, but can you withhold from something intentionally for a short time, fasting, uh, bringing that addiction or that area of discernment before God in its place? Okay, that's the first question for us to consider. And then uh, second, where do you experience a hunger for God's righteousness and justice in the world? And what then is one step that you can take in the coming season uh, to feed that appetite? Um, using your gifts. So if you'll see, there's sort of some fill-in-the-blank questions up here for us um, that I'd invite you to consider as we prepare to worship together. If you would, bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, we are grateful that you do give us gifts and that those gifts are intended for good purposes. And Lord, we confess to you that so easily these giftings and these desires, these appetites that you give us that burn deep within us can become distorted. Lord, it is not our aim for these things to happen, yet we recognize this is the context, the broken system, the broken world in which we live. Lord, we confess to you now these distorted appetites of ours. We ask that you would call them to attention, that we might be transformed, and equip us, Lord, to be people of justice in this world, feeding constantly that appetite for justice that you've placed within us. Lord, we ask that you'd be moving within us now, stirring our hearts. Give us the ability to respond by your grace, trusting in your competence, by your presence in us, to be transformed. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.